Hello and welcome to the How to Trade Like a Pro podcast. I'm Wieland Alt and in this episode I welcome Sahir Anwari and we talk about trend following and the best strategy and idea to really get money for your retirement on a constant basis. Before we start, please take a closer look at the risk disclaimer in the show notes and now have fun. I'm here with Sahir Anwari. Sahir is from London. He's a trader, portfolio manager, and of course, he's also a teacher for trading, technical analysis, and of course, for investing. Therefore, Sahir, I'm very happy to welcome you in my podcast, and I'm really excited about our dialogue. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really uh, looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. So just to jump directly into it, usually typical question I like to ask, uh, like like everybody likes to know as well, is how it all started. Usually people don't just, you know, they don't fall from the sky being a trader or investor. So how was how was your journey? Yeah, uh, so I guess it's, it, it gets interesting once I graduated from university. So I, I'll spare the pre-university. You know, I've got right. a, a, a very stable upbringing, if you like. Mum and dad brought me up. I've got a sister, grew up in London. Yeah. I'm lucky. I have a very, very stable upbringing. University, slightly different story. Ended up studying software engineering, which okay. now when I think back on it, you know, I would love to have studied something different, but hindsight is a great thing. Graduated worked for a year as a software engineer and I just like university I didn't enjoy it so what my first piece bit of advice to people is you know make sure you end up choosing a nine-to-five career that you thoroughly enjoy spending time doing because it's the bulk of your day money will come but ultimately it's the time of the day that you have to really focus on so you know choose something you enjoy and if you don't like me change so I did I became an English language teacher TEFL, teaching English as a foreign language, lived out in, in Asia for a couple of years, teaching English, Taiwan, had a beautiful time, but no money in it. And money was always a, a focus for me. I wanted to find that balance between a career that I enjoyed, time, and ultimately money coming through as well, because especially living here in London, you, you've got to have money. Oh, yeah. So came back, ended up being a photographer, working in photography as part of a collective. We did a lot of interesting projects, high-end advertising, editorial work, luxury brands. That's really where the money is, particularly high-end advertising. If you get money on the side of buses, for example, lots of um, repeat business coming through. That's really when the money for me started coming through. So when the money started coming through, I thought to myself, right, what am I going to do with this money? Typically, people go down the route of buying a property. And, you know, I had, I had quite a lot of money saved up. By the time I was 25, 26, 27, I saved up a fair bit of money. So instead of putting it into property, this is where my journey started with trading and investing. Now, as everyone else, day trading was the route that I went down initially, paid a lot of money for courses and ended up losing a lot of money because for me, day trading is a, a very challenging approach to the markets yes you may be able to make money but you've got a lifestyle that goes with that which is challenging you've you know you glued to a screen you may be working nine to five when I was in photography I was working 15 16 hours a day so to day trade alongside that was near impossible so day trading didn't fit with me I didn't make money didn't fit with my lifestyle then 
I started looking into people like Warren Buffett, came across value investing, started buying shares, just felt a little bit archaic for me, you know, fundamental analysis, looking into companies, I just, it just didn't interest me. Then things changed. I discovered a book called Way of the Turtle by wow. Curtis Faith. Oh, yeah. And I came across trend following. Uh -huh. And that is when my mind just opened up to a whole new approach. I came across technical analysis. I came across long-term investing. So it was this beautiful combination of looking at charts to make your decision, but holding your positions like an investor. So it's kind of like a hybrid, which I which fit really well for me because I was working long hours, do my analysis at the weekend, hold my positions during the week, get on with life. And, you know, I, that's really when it all, I haven't looked back since. It was it was just a, a real pivotal moment in my life. So Way of the Turtle, highly recommend people to read that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds, sounds interesting. I mean, just, um, so, um, I just, you know, you, you just talk about what you've been doing and I was really like, he, did he just say like he was 25 at the end of his career? <laughs> you know? and yeah, I was studying at university. I was some years some kind of teacher. I did phot photography and then I was 25. And I thought, well, you know, yeah, so, so you were really yeah, speeding yeah. through. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's clarify that. I, I worked for a year. I didn't like yeah, it. Right. Um, and when I worked for a year, that was during my my university, uh, my university career. I did a sandwich course, right? So I worked for a year, graduated. Became right. a TEFL teacher, mm -hmm. lived out in Asia, came back, started, uh, uh, came back after a couple of years, landed in photography. Mm -hmm. Now, photography is where I started making a little bit of decent money. Now, when I say decent money, money that I could save. Mm -hmm. And that's really the starting point. When you've got money that you can save, that is when you can start recycling that back into your portfolio, into your investing so by the time I started it, by the time I was able to save, I'm also, you know, I've gone through various careers at this point. So money that I had coming through, I never, I was never a big spender. Mm -hmm. I tried and saved as much, you know, especially in my teen years as well. I saved a lot of money. I lived at home with my family. So I was in a, right. in a, in a blessed position. So by the time I got to say 25, 26, 27, that's really when I started coming across investing, started reading into things. But 27 is potentially really when I started actually taking positions yeah yeah so, so thanks for clarifying because i feel like it's very important for the people out there especially if you're young so your, your key message right here is number one if you really choose nine to five go for something you really love you know a lot of people they mistake it they, they just go for the money and end up you know in therapy right? for that reason well you know that's one thing second thing what what I hear from from your words, use some kind of stop loss, which brings us to trading later on. But you know, you just you just drew drew the line and said, okay, just give it one year, and if I don't like it, I just skip it. You know, and this is also very important because that's when when you started investing with twenty five to twenty seven, you already had some insights on life on some kind of jobs, in terms of okay, do I like this or don't I like it. And I think it's very, very important, not just talking just always about, you know, trading and investing. It's also about talking about life. What is good for me? What is my calling? And if you don't feel it, so why should you stick with it, right? I I totally agree with you. I think one of one of the one of my blessings, I guess, in life was being able to just make quick decisions. Right. You know how they say fail quickly? 
And yeah. I think that's really important with your career as well. If you don't like something, you've got to you've got to make decisions early on. And I think, you know, maybe in my early 20s, I was a little bit too brash. You know, you're a little bit carefree. If you don't like something, you leave. You know, by the time you get into your late 20s, maybe you are in a relationship, you may be married, kids, right. early 30s, then it gets more challenging to sort of just suddenly quit your career and move somewhere else. You can, of course, you know, there's, it's an interesting world we live in. There's a lot of opportunities online. There's a lot of support online. Even as an adult later on in your life, you can p- pivot careers. You can be a lawyer one day. You can be a landscape gardener the next day. You know, you can pivot. But it's much easier early on in life when you don't have certain responsibilities. So, I, you know, I just took advantage of that. If I didn't like something, I, I yeah. quit. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing I just took from, from your words is, that when when you have some amount of money and well I, I don't want to go into details with, with everyone but you know just for 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 something to to consider yourself as as a listener right now and uh, as you know someone stuck maybe in between jobs or you know what not really know what to do if he has some kind of money it's always worth going for investing And what what I what you also just mentioned is okay you started being a day trader which is typical, right? Yep. So because you know just see the easy and 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 fast money coming in, but also it's like at least nine to five, even though you know you're free to go and and come and go the way you want, but you you end up as a swing trader. I think this is this is a term we could use for that, right? Just and focus trend, on also. I would like, say trend trend trader. That's the trend. Yeah, right. that's a, yeah my, okay. My trend trader. Approach. Yeah, trend following as opposed yeah. to swing. All right. So yeah, I mean, we we will discuss this also because also here uh, important to distinguish swing and trend trading. What this really means, sure. but your so your your focus is on some let's say days up to weeks, but not really like months or years, like you know, like an investor. That's that's what I. Well, twelve to eighteen months is typically my holding period before I wow. take profit or rebalance the portfolio. Yeah. Okay. So I got you wrong, and thanks for clarifying this because oh, no problem. you know. It's very important to, to yeah. understand this and why, why I'm figuring that out. But anyway, so your journey is, you know, from having something like 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 a normal career going over to, I don't like this, I try next one, I don't like this either, you know, and then coming over from short-term to mid-term trading. I think that's that's what... Absolutely, uh, that's sweet spot, like. I agree. Yeah, so and this is also something because that's why I have this podcast to give some impulses to people to always to rethink your life, your work, everything you do, your professional career, and then find something else. And trading and investing is something you can do. You don't have to be a day trader. You can be if you like, but you can go other ways. And that's what I really like. And I like to go just for a little word about you know this value investment like Warren Buffett does because a lot of people just focus on that be like okay I want to be Warren Buffett yes of course yes. nobody can do and I always like to say okay you can you can use this as a role model but never forget that whenever Warren Buffett goes into a company he's really acknowledged and also he's like on eye level with CEO and whenever something goes wrong with his investment, he has a straight line to the CEO you know, kicking ass. <laughs> right. Nobody right. of us can ever do this. So trying to compare ourselves with Warren Buffett is like a little bit tricky, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, Warren Buffett's a legend in his own right. We can't knock what Warren Buffett has achieved, but no. we have to 
be realistic in what we can achieve in comparison. So first of all, if you look at performance tables, Warren Buffett is mid-table. Trend followers are at the top of performance tables. So if you compare Richard Dennis from the Turtle Traders, if you compare his performance compared to Warren Buffett's performance, Richard Dennis has a, a far better performance history. He's got a better stock selection. He's made better annual returns. Warren Buffett, a big chunk of Warren Buffett's money that comes through is from dividends, which is, you know, in billions on a on an annual basis. So what we have to, as everyday people, as everyday, everyday investors, what we have to look at is where we are right now, what we want to achieve, and what is the best strategy to achieve that. So reverse engineering the process is important. So let's let's look at some numbers. Let's uh-huh. say if you have twenty thousand pounds in savings, twenty thousand dollars, twenty thousand pounds, twenty thousand euros, depending on where you are, that sort of ballpark figure, uh-huh. twenty thousand. Yeah, that's really when it gets interesting. So I would recommend that people save at least twenty thousand before they start investing. So I'd save that when I go back in time and I say, look, save money. I had twenty thousand as a minimum saved. So that allowed me to experiment, try different things, try different courses, try different strategies. <clears throat> I had money coming through from the photography as well so that I could always replenish my pot if I made any wrong decisions. So, you know, I was in a strong place to go on this little journey of mine. But if you want to start with, let's say you start with 20,000, you want to make a million pounds over 20 years. Mm-hmm. You can add an extra hundred pound a month to the pot. Your ROI, your your annual ROI is 19.78%. Okay, so I'll just say that again. 20,000 as your starting amount. You want to make a million over 20 years. You can add an extra 100 pounds a month to the pot. You need to be achieving 19.78% annually ROI to achieve that. Yeah, so almost doubling everything, right? Exactly. So... The question is then, what are the best strategies to use to achieve this? And I found, then we have to throw in another mix. People are busy. You've got a job, you've got a career, you've got family, you've got kids, you've got hobbies, you've got social life. You've got all of this going on, as you should be. This is life. This is the beauty of being a human being. You're blessed with this opportunity to experience this world. But at the same time, you want to have these smart processes in the background where your money is growing and compounding away. Mm-hmm. And so that, for me, is really where trend following comes into its own because it's simple to learn and execute. If you compare that to value investing, you know it's quite heavy in the research process, whereas technical analysis is far simpler. Mm-hmm. Also, you've heard the expression, to catch a falling knife. Yeah. Value investing, if you think about it, really is you, what you're looking for is a stock that was expensive, that's now cheap, and you want it to go up. Mm-hmm. Well, that point where you deem a stock to be cheap, it can actually just keep on dropping against you. So you buy this stock thinking it's going to go up and it can keep on going down. This is a challenge mm-hmm. that people regularly fall into with value investing. For a reason, of course. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas with trend following, you're buying a stock that's already going up. And you're going in the direction of the established trend. So there's lots of advantages to trend following over value investing in terms of learning it, 
and executing it and also the returns that are achievable over 10, 15, 20 years. Notice what I'm saying as well, still a long period, right? 10, 15, 20 years. You've got to have that outlook, that mindset, that vision. You know, if you want it in 10 weeks, you're going to fall flat on your face. So be realistic. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, there's so so many insights right here. I mean, when, exactly when you say, okay, you've got to almost double your account like every year, literally it's impossible. I mean, you know, yeah, it, you, you can do it on an Excel sheet maybe. <laughs> <laughs> in you know in real life come on also when you know when you talk about day trading everything's possible right but in practice not so sure so when you say okay let's go with trend following and you have a holding period of let's say 18 months one and a half years so this is this is a reasonable time frame this is something where you can really just control things a bit control your investment without having all the bad surprises but still, it comes to mind, you know. If you say, "Okay, I wanna, I wanna buy all the stocks which are already going up," and the, if if I remember right, thinking about Turtle Trader, which is you know Turtle's face from, the, one of the strategies was like buying every fifty-two weeks all-time on new high or all-time highs. Right. So, yes. as a trader, and you know, I'm just going more for the swings coming, you know, coming from the downside, just going up you know, looking for the upside. If you go with a breakout, you always have to deal with false breaks. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, really, really good question. So all-time highs is a stock. All-time highs are stocks that I really like to buy into. Mm -hmm. But these stocks have to be breaking out from a consolidation, a base. So what I typically look for are four phases. Phase one is a history of performance. It's already trended well in the past. This is a technical analysis. If a stock yeah. has trended well in the past, it's very likely to trend well in the future. It's simply about probabilities. Mm -hmm. So that's phase one. I look at the chart and I go look for a period where it's trended well. If it's trended well, great. It's very likely to trend well in the future. Look at stocks like Microsoft, for example, beautiful performance history, but not just Microsoft. There's a lot of obscure stocks out there with huge volumes, one, two, mm -hmm. three, 30 million, for example, Hub, H-U-B-B, this is in our portfolio right now. Hershey, uh, the chocolate company. You know, there's stocks that people overlook because you don't really hear them in the media, right? Right. So phase it's not one, really exciting talk about chocolate anyway, you know, nowadays. But you're right. Exactly. Everyone's talking yeah. about AI, right? There's always right. a sort of something that the media likes to jump onto and really sort of bombard us with. Yeah. And that's where you as an individual have to be a little bit more savvy and go, well, actually, what else is out there? It can't just be AI. There's 11 yeah. sectors, yeah. consumer discretionary, industrials, materials, all those other beautiful sectors. So for me, uh, sorry, I've digressed here a little bit. One, But one of the first steps that I do is I scan sectors. Mm -hmm. I have professional scanning software that I pay good money for that scan sectors based on a particular criteria that I programmed into the scanners. Mm -hmm. One of those criteria is, has the asset performed well in the past? So it will pump out all of these stocks that have got a good performance history. Mm -hmm. Then what I'm looking for is a consolidation. So you know you know the expression, the longer the consolidation, the bigger the breakout. Yeah. So true. if a stock has created a long sideways market, a long consolidation, think of it as the roots of a tree. The stronger the roots, 
the bigger, the taller the, the tree will grow. So if you've got a long consolidation, that's over, I look for at least a minimum of three to six months, minimum. Mm -hmm. But that could that consolidation could go on for years. I mean, look at gold. Gold has been in a 13-year consolidation, right? Yeah. If gold breaks out, if it ever breaks out, you can imagine how big that trend could potentially be. It could go on to $4,000, $5,000, who knows? But for us to actually see that happen, it needs to break out of consolidation first. So that's phase two. I look for that consolidation. Now, to answer your question, which is how do you avoid a fake out? Mm -hmm. Really simple. Never buy into a stock on the first breakout. Yes. The first breakout is often where the market may reverse against you, suck people in market goes against you, you get taken out of your position. So it's really simple. Just have these filters, these very simple filters. And this is something that used to happen to me a lot. I used to get in early only to be stopped out because the market would go against me, fake breakout. So I thought, okay, what I need to do is apply patience. Patience is an art that is often overlooked. So instead of getting in on the first breakout, wait for maybe the second breakout or the third breakout. Now the, the odds of the trend continuing are much greater. Very simple filter. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, th that was the reason why Linda Rashke came out with, you know, with a turtle soup strategy, which goes exactly for that one, you know, for the false breaks, like going into the into mean, maybe mean reversion, but of course, in, in the opposite direction. And it works out well. Yeah. So, so yeah, I love the idea of never go with the first breakout to see, okay, something is happening. You know, we, we saw this in the indices recently, you know, especially in the DAX, we had a new all-time high. And as we speak, we have July 2023. So we just went into, you know, into, into breakout just to get, just to see that just after a few points going up, everything went down. And you don't want to be that guy, right? You just want, you just want to be somewhere where like, okay, let's try again. Or you want to go, maybe, please correct me if I'm wrong from your point of view, but maybe you want to go with going a little bit deeper and just buying in, into the next move just, uh, you know, facing the resistance or facing the all-time high, just be into it the moment it breaks out. So you have a little bit more distance to cover and already in profit the moment it happens. Yeah, there's various, there's, there's various ways of doing it. Of course, yes. there, there I would say the most important thing is focus on your risk management so that mm -hmm. if you are wrong, which there's always a chance of being wrong in investing. It doesn't matter where you enter in a trend. There's always a chance that the market will, that that position will fail. There are no guarantees. It's only probabilities. As an investor, you're going in on a predetermined edge. You have to have an edge. So again, here's another saying. If you cannot define your edge, you don't have one. And if right. you don't have an edge, you will get eaten by someone who does. So you've got to have an edge and you've got to be able to identify that edge. For me, technical analysis is a beautiful way of identifying an edge. I've got my monthly time frame, my weekly time frame, and my daily time frames. I look at all three of them and I have a number of factors on each time frame. On the monthly, I'm looking at A, B, and C. On the weekly, I'm looking at A, B, and C. And on the daily, I'm looking at A, B, and C. If all of those factors are in play, my edge is present and I take a position. Now, here's the thing. Even when I take a position, I only risk one to 2% of my account on that position. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not emotionally attached. I know exactly how much I'm set to lose. And if it fails, 
so be it. It's one or two percent of my account. Right. So however you look to enter into the market, A, make sure you have an edge, but B, have really good risk management rules so that you, if you fail, it's a small loss. Exactly. And also I'd like to you know, go into this number again, because you say that's one to two percent. And you know, this is this is the classic one. Don't go over two percent, of course. But and this is also interesting and important to understand that if you go really short term, this might be way too much, you know. If you go long term, it's only fine, you know. And especially if you're using a lever, this might kill you. But if you don't have a lever, just go really into stocks or ETFs. Everything is okay, right? So just to, to, to make sure everybody understands this concept of, of applying risk and, and position size as well. I think, here's the thing. There's only one aspect of a position that is out of your control. And that is the outcome right. of the position. We have no idea what the market is going to do next. Zero. Yeah. All we can do is play on probabilities. Yeah, we have that. to make sure that we enter a market and at that moment we enter the market, we have more chance of making profit than a loss. That's what is in our control. What we what asset we're looking at, when we enter, where we place our stop loss, how much we risk, the entry point is on a breakout, is on a pullback. All of these beautiful aspects of taking a position are in our control. Mm -hmm. Once we're in, it's all down to the forces of the market. Exactly. So position sizing is essential to that because mm -hmm. you want to make sure that the most important part of position sizing is small risk, well-placed stop loss, but also you want to be objective, remove emotional attachment. Mm -hmm. And the way you remove emotional attachment is to make sure that you just have a small risk associated. As soon as you start allocating 5%, 10%, you're invested. Yeah, and you're constantly looking, oh my God, what's happening? Then then there comes this element of wanting to be right. And it's not oh, yeah. about being right, it's about making profit. Mm -hmm. So again, that's a, a different distinction. So as a trend follower, I assume, and that's what what you know comes to mind listening to you right now, you appear to be a buyer only. So it's a long only strategy you follow, or do you just short as well, just the way it happens? Fantastic. Okay, so it's i'm both but oh, okay. good to know yes absolutely but here's the thing let the market dictate whether you're bullish or bearish okay right. and a timeless marker again i learned this from very early on in my in my journey the 200 simple moving average on the daily time frame it's a proven indicator it's a timeless indicator institutions still use that logic today yeah. if the if the market is above so I so I look at the S&P 500 as my primary indicator of mm -hmm. the health of the market. Mm -hmm. If the S&P 500 is bullish, that is above the daily 200 SMA, above the weekly 200 SMA, we're in a bull market. If the S&P 500 is below the 200 and the or 200 SMA on the daily, 200 SMA on the weekly, we are in a bear market. Mm -hmm. If there is a mixture, we're in a sideways market or a correction phase. So 2000, I started investing in 2007, 2008. 2008, of course, we had the correction when the uh, financial with, with the financial meltdown. 
So a lot of people assume that I lost a lot of money in 2008, when in fact, I actually made a bit of money because I learned to short the market, looking at the S&P 500 in relation to the 200 simple moving average. Okay. So I do both. Now, since 2008, 2009, I've been bullish. So last mm -hmm. year in 2022, when we had that huge correction, 28% in the S&P 500, I was actually long on stocks like McKesson Corporation, ticker mm -hmm. symbol MCK. Healthcare and energy, they continue to go up right. despite the correction in the S&P 500. So I'm, I'm not a perma bear or a perma bull. I hate those terms. I'm just simply aligned with the market. So whatever the market is doing, you'll find me in that direction, which is, you know, if you look at the last 30 years, it's mostly bullish. Yeah. But how, how do you deal with short-term corrections? You know, we, we had just for three weeks, we had this 2020 Corona crash that's going on like for two or three or four weeks or whatever, you know, just literally having the market And is this something where you feel like, okay, I'm going to sit through it, do you exit? So where's your exit strategy with, with a loss? Or where do you just, you know, just say, okay, I, get, I have to wait. I have to go to the sidelines. Yeah, good question. See, think about Corona. Corona is a black swan event, right? Yeah, of course. So, and it's a really good point, uh, Wieland. We have to assume that a black swan event can happen any day of the week. That's That's exactly, that's a black swan event, right? Yes. It could happen right now as we're speaking or having this, this podcast, we can turn to our charting packages and the S&P 500 has dropped 15%. We have no idea when this will happen. So this all goes back to what we were discussing earlier, which is focus on what is in your control. As a good investor, you must always protect your downside. That is your primary objective. The upside will happen as you start making the right investments, particularly when you start compounding winning investments. The upside will take care of itself, but you have to always protect your downside. And how do you protect your downside? First of all, make sure that you have an edge whenever you enter an asset. So there's more chance of making a profit than a loss. Second, make sure that you risk small. Mm -hmm. And third, make sure you have a stop loss on every single position that you take. Now, I use wide stop losses. Again, I took this from my journey with the turtle traders and reading about them. You know, they used um, Donchen channels. Yeah. I started using ATR, average true range. Yeah, Average true range will give you a stop loss that is unique to the asset that you're looking at. So, for example, Tesla is obviously far more volatile than Microsoft. So you would want a much wider stop loss. So ATR is how I use, I calculate my stop losses. And that ultimately is how I protect my downside. So something like Black Swan event, like Corona, I got stopped out of all my positions, as most people would have. But I walked away with a very small loss compared to a lot of funds out there that got hit massively, 50% plus in negative. Yeah. That would never happen in, in my with my risk management rules right i mean that's also very very important when to cut your losses you know when to exit everything which is okay i'm done i'm out and you know take the loss even though it's a small one it's still a loss you know it affects your your self-esteem a bit it affects your definition of being an investor you know everybody asks stupid questions <laughs> you know all the stuff but still you have to do it because you know exactly what to say it might go 
deeper and deeper and deeper and destroy everything. And that's very important also to understand also how to apply. So, so you just put it as a hard stop or do you use it as a mental stop? Or again, really good question. Whenever I take my initial position, it's mm -hmm. always a hard stop, always. Right. So now yeah. the whole idea of me losing more than one or 2% has gone. Right. But here's the thing. My stop loss is placed at a position where I don't get stopped out of swings. Mm. I don't get stopped out of pullbacks. A trend is not just green bar, green bar, green bar, green bar, green bar. That's what people want. Right. A trend is a function of time. You have a move, you have a pullback, another move, pullback, little consolidation, move, pullback. A trend is a function of time. Yeah. So you need to give a trend the space and the time that it needs to develop. And the way to do that is to make sure that you have well-placed stop losses. If your right. stop loss is too tight, you will be continuously getting stopped out. So people get frustrated. Right. And to counteract that, they just completely remove the stop loss. Now you're 100% at risk. Mm -hmm. What you want is that, again, going back to what we were talking about, 12 to 18 months being that sweet spot of holding positions. You're not mm -hmm. short. You're not too long. You're in that middle space. Same with stop losses. You want to have that middle ground where it's not too tight that you get stopped out too quickly, not too far away. So you're holding positions endlessly. It's that middle ground where, okay, I'm not going to get stopped out as the trend develops. I need to give it time. But if it gets hit, I know that the trend has failed and that the market is reversing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So every position has a physical stop loss as that trend develops then i may move to a more mental stop loss but even again that's more advanced yes as i got more comfortable with my strategy over three four years that's when i started switching to mental stop losses but in right. my early days it was all physical yeah i mean you can have both which is pretty clever because the Absolutely. hard stop always is a land of last resort so you know if that one gets hit basically this needs to be at a point where your mind just gets out, where you feel like I'm not able to decide anymore because I'm so shaken from, you know, emotionally wise that it's better to have a hard stop who does a job for me. A mental stop, therefore, is way above, I guess, like where you feel like I have the idea. I don't think it just goes any further. So this looks strange for me, you know, so we just exit maybe a bit part of it. And, you know, just, just to make sure that you keep your profits as well. And speaking of, how's your profit taking? Because, you know, when you, when you go with all-time highs, when you, when you just follow the trend, obviously, if you go to the left, there's nothing for orientation. So where and when do you exit with a profit? Well, the simple answer is I use trailing stop losses. All right. The, the beauty of trailing stop losses is that it removes the guesswork of when I should take profit, Ultimately, as a trend develops over that 12 to 18 month period, the stop loss will follow. Yeah. The software I use is TradingView. Mm -hmm. Great little bit of kit, browser-based, excellent price. I mean, if you go back to the early 2000s, some of the software that we were using back then was extremely expensive, thousands of dollars. Today, fast forward to today, you've got lovely bits of browser-based kit like TradingView, that is reasonably priced a few hundred dollars a month, uh, sorry, a few hundred dollars a year. Uh, and plus it also has a programming language built in, I believe it's called PineScript, and that allows you to develop your own tools. So all the tools that we developed for all those 
really expensive bits of kit that we used in the in the early 2000s we we developed those tools for trading view and one of those tools is a trading stop loss so as the trend develops i can i have my trading stop loss following so just that just to sort of give people an idea a visual idea what a trading stop loss is imagine if you're climbing a very 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 tall ladder there is a safety net that physical stop loss that we talked about initially Right. right at the bottom of the ladder now imagine if you start climbing that ladder ideally what you want is that safety net to be following you just by your feet right so as you climb that ladder that safety net is following what you don't want is that safety net all the way down at the bottom so once you do get to the very top if you fall off you've got to fall all the way back down okay you've got a safety net you're not going to die but it's still a big drop what you want ideally is that safety net just following by your feet so as you go up and if at any point you fall off you've been caught by that safety net same logic with trailing stop losses as the trend develops as a stock starts moving up what you want is a safety net or a trailing stop loss that's following so at any point the trend reverses the trading stop loss will have locked in a large chunk of your profit so it removes the guesswork and ultimately just focuses on allowing the trend to develop once it's triggered we take profit yeah i see i mean this can be a good idea you know just especially if you go in long term or midterm like you do experience from being an intraday trader it's not really the same so intraday i just feel like we have a lot of sideways moves you know yes of course prices try to go up they try to go down they've tried to find a certain trend but most of the time, from my experience, it's just, you know, just moving a bit up and just stall somewhere, going sideways. And therefore, I feel like going more into swing trading on a short-term basis. But it's really interesting to, you know, to compare both ideas and also know when to apply which, you know. So if you go short-term, it's more for the swings. If you go mid-term, like months, it's more for the trend. Would you agree on that? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So then it all goes back to the very beginning, what we talked about, which is what are your goals? Right. Reverse engineer your process. How much money do you have? What do you want to achieve? What is the ROI that you need to get to that stage? What strategies will help you achieve your ROI? That's the first thing. Second thing you have to take into consideration is your lifestyle. Are you busy? If you're working a lot of time and if you're working long hours, maybe you're a business owner, CEOs, whatever the case may be, doctors, you know, you may not have the time to be day trading and swing trading because it can be more time intensive. Trend following is that sweet spot where you get excellent returns with minimal time in the week. It -hmm. all starts with weekend preparation. Everyone has a bit of time at the weekend. Markets are closed. You've got plenty of time to do your scanning, analyze, build your shortlists, manage your portfolio. And then once you've done your weekend analysis, Monday to Friday will take you a few minutes each day to manage your portfolio because you know exactly what needs to be done, what stocks you're looking at, how to move your stock losses, all of that good stuff. Right. So, you know, it is a case of figuring out where you are right now, what you want to achieve, the lifestyle you have, and then choosing a strategy that fits best into that. For some, that may be day trading and swing trading. For other, <clears throat> I know from experience that when you get into 
certainly your 30s and you're married and you have kids and you have an established career, trend following will sit far better into your lifestyle than most other strategies. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm a day trader by definition because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm self-employed. I just take care of my own. I'm just sitting in front of my computer. I have another screen with some software on it, writing emails, doing all the management stuff, and just, you know, I have my software running. And also, I feel like it's it's a little bit also a matter of your yeah, psychological constitution. Is like, can I really deal with 60% losers? Or do you want to have a reward every once in a while, like 60% winners? So for me, the answer is pretty clear. I hate it to be rejected, right? So, so you, you really have to know what you're dealing with, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. There's, there's a lot of, you got day trading sometimes is like going rounds with a professional boxer because you've got to learn to take some real hits yeah. to, to then land that one, that one punch where it makes it all worthwhile. And you know you you've got to really be able to take some real jabs jabs to the body to get to that stage. And you got to think to yourself, you know, I, do I have the mental makeup for that? Right. Do I want to go through that? And you know, if you're married and you have kids and you have a life, that will have a knock on effect. If you're uh -huh. if you're constantly attached to your positions, if you're getting stressed out with your trade, that will affect the relationships around you. It's natural. You can't be stressed with your money and then have a normal loving relationship with your, with your wife and kids, there will have be some kind of impact. So you've got to think to yourself, you know, is that what, is that what you want? If that is what you want, you know, go ahead. But I know from experience in our community, sublime trading, we, we, our community is catered towards CEOs, high net worth individuals, high salary. Generally everyone in our community is married, married right. kids. They have a lifestyle. They've done the day trading. They're done with it. They want something that's a little bit more relaxed, but still makes excellent returns. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's also something everybody has to really consider. Of course, there's scarce time. They have a career, which is running already very good. Otherwise, you know, if, if you focus on CEOs and, you know, comparables. So, of course, there's always a decision to make. And the decision yeah. is always not just, yeah, okay, I have like an 80-hour week and then I go, you know, go over to day trading in the night. It's totally ridiculous, right? So then it's better to, you know, have a decent screening process, making educated choices and go over to easy going management. Maybe it also maybe automated, like a stop loss just gets takes care of itself, gets uh, trailed by itself. You know, they don't Makes have to sense. care about this. Absolutely. Yeah. The thing is this also, you made a really good point. If you're going to be a day trader, you don't want to be day trading markets that are have the least liquidity. So what's the point in day trading through the night when you're day trading maybe the Asian market that has the least liquidity? You want to be day trading when there is the most liquidity. So that will generally be the UK market because that's the biggest Forex market, maybe overlap into the US market. But then if you're working in those hours, and you're settling to day trade in the evening, you're just making things really, really difficult for yourself. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it has to be fit for your lifestyle, your personality. Correct. And also you have to choose a strategy wisely because there are so many strategies out there. I follow mine, you have yours, and all of us 
have ourselves, our, our strategies. And, and speaking of strategies, mentioning the turtle traders, I mean, why did they call them turtle traders? Because they just picked a few randomly and said, okay, this is, you know, we, we, discussed this, uh, we had discussed this before we started this, this conversation. And it's like, you know, pick, picking people randomly, giving them one single uh, strategy, and it turns out with total different results. Absolutely. From being broke to multi, you'd say millionaire, whatever, you know? Yeah. Some were it's dropped off the experiment. Yeah. They, some were dropped because they couldn't follow the, the strategy. So okay. it, there is a big part of just being able to follow rules. Going back to the whole why they were called the turtle traders, I don't know how accurate this is but because I've read that this isn't entirely correct. But when Richard Dennis and William Eckhart, when they had the conversation, when they took the bet, apparently they were standing in a turtle farm uh, somewhere. I can't remember, but Singapore or the Philippines or somewhere like that. They were in a turtle farm when they had the conversation. And I think that's where the idea of the turtle traders came in, because I think someone said to the one said to the other that we will make traders like turtles. And that goes back to what you were saying. So, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's true. And also, I mean, you also you, you also do your teaching, you have strategies, people can learn from you. You have all you have all the services you, we, we all can offer. So. From your experience, what happens if you teach people your strategy? Are they really stuck to it? Or do you feel like some individualization into it? Like, I feel like you have to change something. How is that? Everyone is individual. And right. it's a really fascinating, it's one of, one of the hardest, one of the hardest things you have to deal with when you have a community is everyone's individual. Everyone has a personality. Everyone has their own psychological makeup that they bring to the journey but also everyone has their own experience what you will find is that men most mostly men because they're the ones that have been sort of on this journey we, there are more and more women getting involved which is great but men generally come with baggage you know they've been trading investing for many years some successfully not some not so successfully so there's always that sort of baggage that they bring to the journey. And so for men, often it's a case of unlearning bad habits and relearning good habits. Some people are just easier at let some some people are just easier at letting go of these habits than others, because the expression is investing or trading is simple, but not easy. Right. The best techniques are simple to learn, but executing those strategies again and again and again, being consistent, being resilient, it's not easy. Right. And exactly. if you've got, um, sorry, uh, if you've got bad habits, then it, it it just makes things a little bit more tricky. Whereas women generally tend to be blank canvases. They're very process driven. So if you give them a strategy and say, hey, follow these rules, they're often very, very good at those, following those rules. Men, you know, we've got testosterone, so we've got to learn to control that. And if you can control it, you know, we're, we're amazing creatures. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't want to go too deep into, into this man-woman thing, but of course, it's very interesting. And and I also always wonder, okay, how where's the difference? And once in a while, I also, you know, have, have like an, an interview with, you know, with a woman trader. I, I was I was in Australia. I was uh, literally, I was I, I was meeting Karen Wong. You know, she's, she's trading over there. Yes. And she's one of the, well, one of the most successful 
not really not not just trade us but women as well but there are so so less women in this field and it's it's also different if you go to asia there are way more if you go yeah. to europe there's literally nobody and i always yeah. wonder why is that any clue i look i think it's i think everyone can speculate i think what's important is that now whether you're male or female, the opportunities to get involved are the same. Mm. Here's, here's the important thing. As long as you have the right money coming through, as long as you're in a right position financially, as long as you have the right savings as in place, as long as you have the right mindset and outlook, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. Right. What's important is adopting a strategy that works, that fits in with your lifestyle, giving that strategy the time it needs to learn and execute and then staying consistent and resilient with that. Yeah. And going back to what I said earlier, if you have the baggage, i.e. men tend to have a little bit of baggage, it makes it more difficult because you've got that internal battle that's always going on. And at some point that battle has to go, right, I've got to let go of what I've learned in the past and just run with what Zahir is teaching us here at Trend Following because it's proven. We've got results. We can show results and we can say, look, this is what we've achieved. What have you achieved? Well, you haven't achieved anywhere near what we've achieved. That doesn't mean to say you're a bad investor. It just means that our strategy will get you better returns. So let go of your strategy because it's not as good as our strategy. Run with our strategy. So again, it's not it's, it's that battle of the ego. It's not about being right or wrong. It's just about making money. And if you have, if you're the older you're getting and the closer you're getting to retirement years, the more critical this becomes because every year that goes by means you're getting closer and closer to retirement with the, with the, without the right funds in place. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's just a case of doing what's right. Yeah, absolutely true. On the other hand, and this is what I really love about trading and investing, you will never stop, right? So there is no retirement from, you know, from the markets. Why should you? I mean, this is so cool because there's you know, it's you're not just sitting day by day by day, hour by hour in your office having meetings, you know, all the all the stuff which is coming into it. You just sit the way you want on your computer in the time frame you're comfortable with. You do some decisions. You're still on it, but you, there's no need, right? And I really love this idea about trading. So everybody should be a trader in its retirement years, just to be busy again. I'll still be busy. What do you think about this? I think you made some really good points. I think what, what is great about, particularly if you are slightly on the longer side, so for example, that middle, that middle ground that we invest in, one, one aspect of the strategy that we haven't really talked about in too much detail is compounding. Mm -hmm. And what makes holding positions for 12 to 18 months so lucrative is the ability to compound. So for people who aren't sure about what compounding is, it simply means adding more of a winning stock into the portfolio. So let's say you buy Microsoft at $150. Right. When it gets to $160, typically people take profit, mm -hmm. depending on your strategy and your win, you know, what sort of risk to reward ratio you're working on. But let's right. say from $150, it moves to $160, you take profit. That's mm -hmm. actually not the correct thing to be doing. The correct thing to be doing is actually buying more of that winning stock. So buy more. So you've still got that position open at $150. 
add more at $160. So now you've got two positions on Microsoft, add more at $170, add more at $180. And then when it gets to $300 for, and the market reverses and your trailing stop loss gets triggered, you've exponentially grown your returns over that 12 to 18 month period. Yeah. And you can continue to do this for forever until at some point you decide, right, you know what, I'm, I'm done, I'm retired, I'm in my 80s or whatever the case is, I don't want to do this anymore. But what you have also done is you've learned a set of skills that you can then pass on to the next in line, your family. Who's yeah. going to look after the family wealth, right? Because the schooling system is going to, isn't going to teach you this. Financial literacy, yeah, exactly. Financial literacy is not part of the schooling system. The schooling system is great for building a career, going out into the big bad world, earning money, building a salary, whatever the case may be. But it's not good at teaching you how to manage your money. So you, as us, us as 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 th this generation now with the technology we have available to us, it's down to us to learn the skills have processes in place, grow our money to a point where we're comfortable and happy that we've left something for our kids. But then also, what are our kids going to do with that money? Well, we've got to teach them how to manage that fund so that when we've moved on, they're next in line. And that's how you break that financial illiteracy loop. So people need to start learning this because not just for themselves, but teach your kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, just crosses my mind. A friend of mine, she has a, she has an eleven-year-old boy. He's really crazy reading my book about risky money management. I feel like, Fantastic. what is going on over there? <laughs> you know, it's like, are you serious? Where's Harry <laughs> Potter gone? <laughs> you know? Do but, both. Yeah, yeah, you can both. do both. Cross. Exactly. Yeah. Don't take away his childhood, but start instilling yeah. good processes. I think it was Warren Buffett who said that. I think I think it was Warren Buffett who said that I, my first investment was at 11 years old. Before then, I was wasting my time. Yeah. So I think it was Warren Buffett. That that quote always just makes me giggle. I mean, you know, do both. Let kids have fun. Show them yeah. what the world is about. But talk to them about money. Talk to them about responsibility. Talk to them about saving. All of these yeah. really basic principles, so that when they do get to adult age and they're earning money. They're already aware of what needs to be done, right? I'm earning this much money. I'm going to put this much away into my savings account. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it definitely needs to be taught. It needs to be learned. It needs to be needs to be lived. And and again, it's you know, it's more like like a life decision if you want. And that's that's also pretty cool about trading. You can you can go so much deep into this rabbit hole as you want. Or you just stay on the surface and just buy some kind of strategy to just follow blindly. So everything is possible. I love that. You, you, the world is your oyster, right? The more nerdy yeah. you become about this, and you don't have to become overly nerdy. You know, you don't need to get upset because there's also analysis paralysis. Yeah, of you course. overread, you over research, and you don't do the most important thing, which is execute. So you got to find that balance between understanding what you're doing. With there is a because there's certainly an element of sophistication to good trading and good investing that people overlook. Mm -hmm. So you do want to get to that point, be nerdy about it, be sophisticated, but at the same time, enjoy life. Don't get overly obsessed with it. Just be smart, have processes right. working, get on with life as well at the same time. Right. Which brings us so you yeah more or less to the you know to the end of the conversation and usually i like to and you because you're already into it i really like to ask you for your advice 
for novice traders. So people who just really want to start with is, let's say, making money on the stock market, no matter if it's day trading, swing trading, more long-term or mid-term view, like trend following. So what is your best advice for them to start? Awesome. It's a, it's a really tricky one because... It is. You know, where do people start? I mean, ultimately, people will start wherever they want to start, right? And I know most people just go straight to a broker and open an account, fund it, mm-hmm. and start taking trades. That is generally yeah. the first place that people start. I would say read Way of the Turtle by Curtis Fay. That that will open up your, your eyes. If you haven't read it, become mm-hmm. aware of trend following. Everyone knows about day trading because it's everywhere. Swing trading, people are kind of familiar with it as well. Trend following is this art that has just been sort of buried under a lot of misinformation. So become familiar with trend following. That's, that is the, that is really where I would tell people to start. Then also look at your numbers, work out a budget, reverse engineer your goals. If, if people reach out to me, I can send them a calculator on how to do this. Basically we work, we've, we've, we've created a calculator where you put in how much money you have, how much you want to earn over how long and it will tell you your ROI at the end of it you need to be making 15% a year 20% a year 30% a year whatever people reach out to me I can send them the calculator it's you know no problem yeah, I, will, I will link I will link this in, in the show notes brilliant thanks uh thanks Wieland yeah so I would say look work out your numbers sit down with your with your with your partner make sure that you and your partner are on the same page Often people aren't. And again, that's because, you know, the husband usually has has a history of losing money. So he starts losing the wife in on this journey. Um, you know, you've got to realign. You've got to make sure that you're on the right goals. You know, I've been in this situation with several people over the last couple of years where they've been following me for a long time. They've liked my content. They see the truth and the value in what we're doing. They see our results. And but because they've got a history of losing money, the wife has just gone, no, you're not you're not joining sublime trading. You're not paying for that course because you're just going to lose it. So I don't blame her. But the flip side of that is, well, what is the alternative? Do you have another investing style that can deliver that kind of return that trend following can? And if you haven't got that alternative, then you've got to give trend following a go. There's no other option. You have to give trend, especially if you know you're going to have that shortfall in retirement. You're not on your path to your retirement goals. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, the, my, my advice to people is get your foundation in place. Understand yeah. trend following. Look at your numbers. Make sure you've got the right savings in place. Get aligned with your goals and your family, with your wife. Take it from there. Thank you so much. So yeah, a lot of insights and a lot of ideas to follow, not just as a professional, also as a beginner. Also, if you, you know, you, you, you're stuck a little bit with your time frame, if you're like, is this really the right one for me? How to manage my time? How to put everything into my, into my day? There are solutions. And you just presented one of those. I really love that one. Thank you so much again, Sayer. And I really hope to continue with you. Uh, once in a while it's always worth having a conversation like this so really great thanks Wieland appreciate it thank you so much really enjoyed that thank you that's already it and I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and you took away some learnings for your personal trading if you want to learn more 
about me, about my interview partners. If you want to have a one-on-one -on -one coaching or even get into a training course with me or my interview partners, just get into the show notes and follow one of all these links you find there. And then I will be happy to hear and see you again. Your Wieland Alt.